0: This is Cinema Degeneration.
1: There is a man, alone in the dark, with a head full of the unknown. A vault of horrific thoughts hidden from the world. Another stalks him through the shadows, watching, waiting, burning to crack the lock of his skull. Plunge his questing fingers inside and dissect the mysteries within. And tonight, the hunter will spring his trap without warning.
0: Alrighty, folks, welcome to Cinema Degenerations Without Warning. And for those of you who are first time listeners to this, this is a show where I, your host, Cameron Scott, calls my. Co-host, my good buddy Corey Dawson. Hello, Corey. Hello, Cameron. How you doing? oh fucking fantabulous. Better than you're going to be here in a little bit. I'm ready for the guillotine. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, I randomly call Corey sometimes in the middle of the night. Since sometimes we're well, we're always both night owls, but uh, when our schedules can converge. I like to randomly call him with a movie topic or a film topic of some sort uh, that he is completely unaware of. So I'm putting him on the spot going to be testing his uh, his nerd geekdom qualities and his uh, <laughs> his street his street cred and see how well prepared he can possibly be for, you know, a topic that he knows absolutely nothing about. It's kind of like whose line is it anyway, except for, there's no points being given and oh, the points damn. don't mean anything. I, you oh, know, maybe I yeah. should maybe I, maybe I should start giving points, random points. They won't amount to nothing. Be kind of like The Office, for every thousand of them goes for ten cents of a regular buck.
1: Well, maybe you could use that. Maybe the point values could determine, like if you were uh, spinning a wheel for the topics you had uh, in your holster, whatever the number was closest to, then that's what you would pick for next time.
0: Yeah. Well, I had thought. I'm going to get your input on this. Is uh, maybe. The next time we do this, since I have a list of about thirty some odd topics, I give you a a choice of a number between one and you know whatever the however many I have, thirty three, and you pick that random number, and we both go on that subject, and we both get put on the spot. So because like neither one of us, and me, I'll know the 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 topic because it'll already be on there, but I won't be able to prepare. So maybe that'll be an interesting uh, way of doing this next time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd be like double jeopardy.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yes, yeah, good oh. idea,
0: Well, we'll do that, then maybe we'll do that here in a couple of days. We'll see how lively we both are. But you're all right, all right. <clears throat> are you ready for tonight's topic, Corey? Hit me with your best shot. All right, this week's topic is movies based on video games. Oh not boy! Video, not video game movies, not movies that were turned into video games, but but movies that were based on video games so can't do any uh nightmare no brain scan no no, nothing like that we're talking resident evil house of the dead silent hill mortal Kombat, the name you know things like that so i'm not sure where you want to start because i'm figure we could always start with the I would consider it the granddaddy of video game movies is probably Resident Evil, at least as a series. There were what, six, seven of those films. They got a reboot out. They got animated movies, a new Netflix series is getting ready to come out sometime this year. So there's a whole lot of Resident Evil content, but, uh, do you have a, no, let me just ask you straight up. Do you have a favorite video game movie?
1: I would have to say, uh, the first one that came to mind when you mentioned the subject was Silent Hill, because, the whole situation in, uh, that I found myself in when I saw it was so perfect. I had a friend of mine that I worked at security with, and it seemed like he always had the greatest sort of uh, environment or tableau to watch horror, horror films in that he would kind of turn me on to. Or at least sort of talk me into if I wasn't necessarily thrilled about seeing him. He lived out in the boonies, and he had the biggest TV of anybody that I knew. So when you'd watch it there, it was just about as close to going to the movies as you could. Except he lived in a a shack out in the woods, basically. And he asked me over. You know, he basically said, "Hey, I'm gonna get a a crave case and a pizza and Frank's Red Hot, and we're gonna watch Silent Hill." And I said, "Well, <laughs> I haven't really, I haven't really played the games much more than we played them together." And he was like, "Don't worry, I think that you'll get, I think you'll." feel it right away when you watch it. And it was the first one that came to mind for me when you asked, because I can't remember a movie that's been based on a video game that captured the atmosphere of that game more completely than that movie.
0: Yeah, I would agree with, with the first Silent Hill. The second one is a little bit uh, cheapens it a little bit. You can tell they didn't have as much money to spend but yeah, Silent Hill, um, one of my favorites. I'm glad you brought it. Uh, you brought that one up. Is Superior Film? Uh, I don't get why people yeah. shit, shit all over him. I actually kind of like uh, the second one, Re- uh, Revelation or Revelations. It's not bad. It's just it's just cheap. <laughs> you know, they last Did the Roda return time. for that
1: one? Um, Roda Mission
0: Return. I think so. I believe she did, if I remember right. So did Sean Bean.
1: I mean, uh, I she's not a huge. Did star or anything and sean bean always has something to do that guy he doesn't really uh he he does them big and he does them small and i i respect him for that in a lot of ways it seems like he's just a working actor and he'll do uh whatever whatever floats him and so that that's pretty cool but i i remember when it comes to um sort of translating to to film As far as I'm concerned, that was almost like a, it was almost like made to be a movie with like the, the atmospheric, it was just a great looking uh, video game. And the whole, the, the idea of the ash in the air, and it's just, you don't know what's coming up. And it's kind of, it's superior to darkness in some ways, because it's not totally inky black where something could come out of nowhere you know something might be there and you can kind of see stuff, but you don't know if it's a mailbox or if it's a a car, a carcass of a car. So in my opinion, that's even more nerve wracking because you can kind of see it, but you don't know what it is. And um, definitely with that one uh, video game and, and the movie representation of it, I think that silent Hill has some of the, well, okay. I don't want to be, uh, too hyperbolic about it because there are a lot of iconic horror game uh, villains and side characters and stuff. But I would say that Silent Hill, for me, has a couple of the most mysterious, and that's the nurses and the Pyramid Head.
0: Oh, I love me some Pyramid Head.
1: That is, when you, that is when such you hear a the... strange scraping.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's 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 wonderful. That's that is such an old school trigger for um, for fright, for nerves. Because even if you're in your house, like that was kind of one thing that I think played really well with like poltergeist films or exorcism films. When you would hear like a loud crashing noise from the attic or something, that scraping sound is very, very indicative of something that could happen anywhere and always set your teeth on edge, you know, when you hear that stuff. And then you see it's it's definitely a look that could have been iconic just out of sheer necessity where they were making this guy. I've never read anything on how, they, how the design came about, but it's just something that's always really struck me as iconic ever since I saw it the first time. It was so strange and absurd and odd, but at the same time really mysterious and brutal looking, just like in a couple of things. Maybe it has to do with sort of like the mysticism of pyramids, Or whatever it is, you can't see their face, you can't even see their eyes, and it's you don't know if it's part of his head, you don't know if it is his head. It's just a very, very interesting. There's there may be something kind of like in your lizard brain that reacts to something like that where you see it as an otherworldly thing that just can't exist in nature. So you just feel uncomfortable and unsettled by the look of that guy. Yeah, I and mean, it's he's, he's humanoid, always... but,
0: you know, the, the the similarities end there. That's it, you know. <laughs> this is this humanoid in the body alone, his movements, the sounds it makes when it moves. I mean, hell, the sound alone when the, you know, the, the sirens come out and it's like the darkness is coming. It's like, ooh, there's something primeval or prim- primordial in your brain that just makes the hair in the back of your neck stand up.
1: So uh, when it comes to kind of like the primordial and when you say like primordial, primeval, And sort of, uh, and primal, when you think about those early things, I think that those can also, I think there can be footnotes over the history and the experiences of your lives with that, where there can be certain things that add to that, where, you know, you hear a deep-seated growling in the dark. Sometimes a siren can affect you just as much, and you would have only known about that in the last few decades, as, you know... Maybe the threat of nuclear war or the threat of a tornado that could tear, tear the valley up or, or uh, outside the valley. Things like that. And I think like that, what you just said kind of made me think of Siren Head, too. Which is like, have you heard of Siren Head? No. That sort of, um, Siren Head kind of falls uh, in, the, in the realm of creepypasta, modern viral urban legend type of stuff. Kind of like a slender man kind of thing. Right. Except I think that if I remember correctly, it's just a human a spindly humanoid body that just has a siren instead of its head. And I do think that, you know, if you have that sort of clarion call when someone's about to come in, I think they had did they have something like that in Cube where you heard a noise and then something changed in the Well, there there was some there was something like that, but I believe that was Cube Two,
0: hypercube.
1: Okay. I'm also remembering, you know, so if a klaxon, like, I guess a klaxon of any kind is going to, uh, I mean, that's what it's meant for, to alarm you. So it's always going to be, it's always going to put you on your toes when you hear that. And in this case, if that happens, and, uh, and that's what you find. And then you have sort of like the weird, bottom-of-the-barrel, scummy sexuality of this nurse where she's slinky and but kind of off where she's kind of you know she has like a stutter step and she's kind of cracking a little bit but you kind of think that her her shape looks pretty good and then when you see her up up close you realize that her her facial features are just grotesque
0: yeah the 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 crazy nurses i remember one time going through a, a haunted house attraction That was being done at a local high school with my little brothers. And they were like, oh, God, 12, 13 at the time. And having them be be pretty much okay with everything they saw until they saw the Silent Hill nurses. And these people were going all out. And they were just like, nope, they were having none of that. They wanted to leave. So they're, you know, they're 26, almost 27. Now they probably don't like me telling that story. I'm sure it doesn't get in many dates. But, yeah, they... (laughs) They ran screaming. I could not contain them. They were practically in in full blown tears. Sorry, Michael. Sorry, Dana. Like twelve, I think.
1: So that was probably around the time where they had had a lot of instances with nurses and stuff. When it comes like vaccines, getting you know, or not prostate, but uh, hernia checked and all that kind of stuff. So when it comes to a nurse, like that's something where you you expect comfort and you expect something caring and someone kind of trying to put you back together other rather than this thing where it just like (laughs) turns all that on its head, subverts all that stuff
2: oh yeah But
1: but this one for sure um i have to say that at the time i saw it which was a long it was pretty much as soon as it came out on video that guy was really big on getting stuff as soon as it came out so that was pretty close to when it had come out in the theater or however however much time it takes i mean it's It is such a quantum leap how quick stuff goes to how you can own it or stream it after the the theater.
0: It used to be six to nine months. It used to be always to take for a movie to hit home video. Now it's sometimes instantaneous. Sometimes it's next week, next month. It it seems to be a lot bigger, uh, quicker of a turnaround these days.
1: So I hadn't really, uh, I hadn't played a whole lot of Silent Hill but if I remember correctly, I think that we watched the film and then we played Silent Hill directly after that just to, to kind of like compare and contrast. And uh, I think something pretty vital about the story was changed. I can't quite remember what it was now, but whatever it was, um, I don't think it really threw a monkey wrench into the mechanics of the game and the movie. But No,
0: there was something changed, wasn't there? I can't remember what it was. I thought it had, it it had so to do with Daughter. Time. It is
3: something, they changed something to the the quote-unquote mythology. I think it might've been like a sister daughter
1: dichotomy thing where in that one, it was the sister or the daughter. And in the game, it was a sister or something like that. But um, I think that it was close enough that it didn't, it wasn't jarring the difference. And I think that with that, like I said before, I think atmosphere is all. So if you have that uncertainty about what is through the ash and what that shadow and silhouette means, you know, I think that it's going to, it's going to come across in both things. And I've always liked Ryda Mitchell, especially in her latter day stuff. I think she's really grown as an actress and yeah. Sean Bean is a pretty solid choice no matter what you're doing. And, uh, if there's a possibility of him dying, but like you said, if he showed up in the second one, I guess he might've made it through silent Hill. What's the odds of that? Yeah,
0: but he kind of, kind of sort of makes it kind of, sort of doesn't. It's uh it's highly debatable i think his character is meant to to be you know trapped in the silent hill universe or is somehow dead i think by the time the events of part 2 roll around but it's it, dean dies so much on camera anyway what what's, what's what what's the matter we kind of sort of let him live once huh?
1: <laughs> i mean you could almost i mean you might even be having kind of false memory of that you might actually remember him dying in it and and he actually lived or the other <laughs> right around. yeah
2: <laughs>
1: but that, i uh, what do they I call
0: that uh, The the what do they call that something other effect uh oh what the hell is that i'm thinking of when you when you swear you've seen something but you know you didn't
1: Well, it's mandela that's the mandela, mandela effect. Yeah. effect yes yes i think that uh-huh. some of that uh i really have a belief that there are i mean i guess there was a book called you know like the madness and you know a pop or the popular madness of crowds and stuff like that i think that there can be mass hysteria. I think that, especially with the, the viral nature of, of uh, social media, I think that you can be convinced of the Mandela effect. You may not even be a victim of it. Uh, but, like, I, I never fell for the Bernstein things. I, because I've read so much, I knew the difference. But um, I could have sworn that Shazam thing happened with, uh, with Sinbad.
0: Oh, the Sinbad but, uh, genie movie? Yeah, I, I, I would have sworn that one was... For- for real because I swore and I, saw I actually that knew,
1: movie. And, and you know, people got in my face, like, no, that's Kazam, Kazam, and I was like, no, I was, I thought it was both of them because I thought Shaq made Kazam, and then Sinbad was looking for money after the jingle all the way or whatever, and then he made Shazam, you know, that too. But, um, but I don't, I don't fall victim to a whole lot of that stuff, but me either, um,
0: me either. Well, yeah,
1: that
0: so yeah, because sorry, so wait, yeah. I don't know, I'll I have to watch Silent Hill again and w- just watch the ending and see if I can. if he is indeed dead because I'm the way it plays out in part two. I believe he is, but it's been a while since I watched both of them. I haven't watched any of these movies in preparation, even though I knew the topic going in. I okay, I take it back. I did watch one of the Resident Evils last week, but that was about it. I, I watched. Well, when one it comes to,
1: the- I guess when it comes to Resident Evil, I think it's sort of the same setup as like a Final Fantasy, where you'll have little bits and pieces of the lore, little bits and pieces, locations, arcs, characters. But I but you couldn't kind of set Resident Evil up next to the movie necessarily and go, yeah, it's like a one-for-one. One. I think that Resident Evil had to really be translated a lot more than most video game movies would be. Because when I when I remember playing Resident Evil, I don't it, it always seemed to me that the movie was it Paul W.S. Anderson, the Event yes. Horizon guy?
0: Yeah, he did, he um, did most of them. There, uh, I think there was one or two that he didn't. Actually, Russell, uh, what's his last name? I can't remember his okay. last name. Okay, yeah, did part two or part three because uh, I always remembered I'm like, hey, dude, that's a guy directed the Highlander movies.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, when it comes down to it, I, I think that sometimes you can look at a director and say, hey, Sometimes he hits, and sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't, he really doesn't. And Russell McKay is one of those guys. I mean, that uh, Bram Stoker's The Mummy thing he attempted, that sucked real bad.
0: Uh, I don't remember much about that movie other than I've never attempted to watch it since it initially came out. I thought that was really, really bad. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. It's yeah, it's bad. Yeah, when but, he's but on it, he's Hayden on Shadow. it. When he's on Shadow. it, though... Shadow was
1: great. Shadow, the Highlander. He did. Um, he did one other that I really liked, and it's not coming springing to mind right now. But, uh, but with Resident Evil, I always thought that it almost seemed to me, and maybe this, is, maybe this is me not knowing enough about the lore further than some fans would be of the stuff. Because as far as I'm concerned, I was, I was very surprised at how thrilled everybody was about the. Uh, the Resident Evil sort of... I mean, do they consider it a reboot
0: that came out oh, in the, the game the, form? Oh, the, the Welcome the Raccoon City that just came out, like, a couple of months ago? Well, I think it was the one
1: directly before that, though, where they were actually... Uh, maybe I'm imagining it, but I thought they re-released one under the same name, like it was, like, Resident Evil 2, but it was Oh, a the, new, you mean the actual It was a retooled game. version. The, yeah, they retooled
0: yeah. Part Two and Part Three.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I, I was actually very surprised at how excited everybody was for those, due to how um, how faithful and stringent the fans of those are. I thought they were going to get pissed about that, and that's kind of the way I saw the movie. Because for me, like I said, I hadn't played a whole ton. I didn't have a whole lot of video game systems, but I did do a whole lot of spectating in other people's systems when they would play and stuff. So See, I the did a good, good,
0: good 50-50 mix myself. I, some of them I just, you know, at certain points in my life I wasn't uh, rich enough. I was too poor to order a new gaming system. So I don't, <laughs> I'd don't. i always just watch, you know, half the time. But half the time things were going well, I played a, a few of them. I remember one that I think was just a, a Sega Dream Class, a Dreamcast exclusive, at least it was at the time, um, Code Veronica. And that was one of my favorite Resident Evil games. And I don't know if they ever released that for any other system, but I remember. Yep, I had it for a Dreamcast the, the system that PlayStation 2 buried.
1: <laughs> I've definitely heard legends about Code Veronica. Um but it always seemed to me that kind of like with the Final Fantasy movie, the where they're they're actually a lot of people were terrified when that came out because they thought that the CG or motion capture. I don't think it was motion capture, though. That was so on point that people would start to forget about normal human beings. They would want to talk to computer-generated uh, entities.
0: <laughs> and then that movie then came know, about and, and uh, squashed all fears.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because there were definitely some problems with movement and stuff. It's kind of bugging me. I can't remember what the subtitle of that was. I want to say Fight the Future, but that's X-Files. Yeah,
0: that's
1: X-Files. Spirit... Was the spirits of. Spirit within? Spirit within, yeah. Spirit within. yeah I think and, I, and I did think that there were some interesting things in that, but as far as I could tell, it didn't have a damn thing to do with that final. But then again, it seems like Final Fantasy is kind of known for like reinventing itself all the time. But when oh, it comes yeah. to the other thing, it's uh, with uh, Resident Evil, seemed completely. It was a completely different setup altogether when the movie happens. And I think that may have sort of integrated stuff from the beginning because it was basically like a and i don't know all the terminology uh there are certain terms that you use for certain types of games but it was sort of like walking through the haunted house first person stuff and not that i like first person uh, that i'll have something to say about that in a minute when, when it comes to the movies when oh yeah i got to, I, I got one in particular that's a first person uh i'm, I'm betting it. that we're thinking the same one
0: yeah, but bet we are, But we are. We'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs>
1: but with uh, with with this one, I never really saw it as a Resident Evil. Like, besides the Umbrella Corporation and besides uh, a couple of the things that have to do with sort of like the AI, the sentient things, it didn't really seem like it harkened back to the game much at all. Or maybe the dogs. The dogs were, the dogs in the Umbrella Corporation, they seem like the things that harken back the most for me. Yeah, you're
0: talking the very first one from like yes. 2002 oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it felt like it was almost like you're watching somebody play through uh, a side mission
2: mm-hmm.
0: that mm-hmm. takes place in the Resident Evil world. It didn't feel like it was a main Resident Evil game or movie. It's like, oh, I'm watching like this somebody kind of whip through on their Twitch account, you know, playing a, a side mission that I've never known about. And I don't know. Yeah, like I mean, them. if you. Sorry. I mean, I I was just gonna say, you know, I, I like them to varying degree. There's a, a couple of them that I I do like. There's a couple of them, obviously, that I I don't like in the series. You know, it's a, about a fifty fifty mix. I kind of think uh, the even numbered uh, sequels are kind of a little weird. It's it, it falls from the, into that category where the even num- numbered ones are weird. But yeah, it's just it, it always felt like with the Alice saga, it was just a side mission, like sure. in D yeah and it did you know bring in the you know the dogs the i mean uh you know umbrella and everything and it kind of started out at the the mansion a little bit in the beginning the version i like i don't know if you've seen it yet but um was the resident evil welcome to raccoon city that just came out this past year back in um, november of 2021 it was one of the few movies i saw in theaters that that year I thought
1: didn't it was- they even use the old school fonts and everything, like the presentation from the games, like in their marketing? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I saw stuff where it really looked like they were using not necessarily stills from the game, but when you would see some of the font in the marketing, it really reminded me of the uh, the cutscenes that sometimes it would lead in from one thing to the other. And I was like, to me that that is a sign of love great love for your topic and for your uh, franchise when you're trying to do that. But it it made me wonder if it was kind of like too little, too late. It seemed like it really came in. If they are going to try to be legitimate to the games, it seemed like they were kind of starting late on that.
0: Yeah. It seems like weird after six films, like, hey, we're going to reboot this and uh, kind of redo all the damage that we've done. Because it wasn't, uh, 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 Paul W.S. Anderson still produced it he's fully supportive of the the reboot he's just not directing it uh i, I like the, the the placement of it it takes place mostly in raccoon city it takes place you know half in raccoon city half at the mansion and it really feels like they tried to recreate that first game really with, with, i'm going to say with like painstaking detail there's certain parts of this i remember playing the game and seeing certain angles of certain things that happened that they tried to mimic. And it wasn't like total uh plagiarism or anything like that. It was just like, you know, certain look of a zombie looking over his shoulders, like, ooh, I remember that. Like it kind of hit me hit yeah. in the hit you in the member berries.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean I, I mean, especially now when nostalgia is like the first word off everybody's lips in the in the worst way and uh they act like it's sort of This this emotion that we just can't get away from. Nothing's new, and all that stuff, which is which can can be true, but I think it's kind of attributed uh, harshly sometimes, because I think that it's more sort of a a recognition where you see it can be the smallest little move. Uh, For instance, like this is off this is kind of off video games, but uh, the book of Boba Fett. At one point, I saw Tamara. uh, I can't remember Tamara Morrison. I saw him doing this kind of like this hand-arm posture that Boba Fett did. Whenever you saw Boba Fett kind of standing at ease, you'd seen him do this posture with his arms and hands. And he totally recreated that. And And it wasn't, they didn't like zoom in on it or anything. It was kind of in the background. And I thought that when you're paying attention to what you're trying to recreate, I think that sometimes people consider some of that nostalgia and sometimes it can hit you over the head, but I think that you, yeah, can, you can seamlessly, you can seamlessly do it. Like, I mean, it's difficult. I would not a video game uh, translation to, to film would be my least favorite thing to try to do because you're trying to cash in on this, on this brand and this love for these games and stuff. And a lot of times when it comes to bringing it to the, the big screen, it's difficult to do without major league changes, and I didn't know if you just wanted to talk about horror only. But
0: no, I mean uh, I have a couple other that that border on uh, sci-fi and whatnot, and but yeah, you know, we don't have to. We're not just doing strictly horror, no.
1: Well, because, because I mean, it, if it seems like you almost have to like engineer a new set of circumstances to put this world into, otherwise, you know, you you can't. I mean, maybe they'll try in the in the Super Mario new one coming out, but I think it's animated, so it's hard to say. But you can't exactly have a human being jumping up onto a brick or like hitting their head off of a brick and coins coming out,
2: right? <laughs> right, right. I mean,
1: it's just it's going to end up being a a crack.com skit, which I love with a passion. But um, I'd be down like for Sonic, that version.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: you, Sonic. With Sonic! When Sonic came out, you know, and I think that that was kind of a a grand. Uh, that was sort of a grand experiment with fan service in the end, and
0: I think I that was one tried that I watched it about a month ago for the first time. I tried watching it, and I have to say it's one of the very few movies that I turned off and couldn't finish.
1: Wow, that's that's fascinating to me. Um, I mean, I I didn't have it, but then again, you know, I I would have to. And it sound like you're a Sega guy, so you probably would have been yeah. a Sonic guy. Yeah, it was so, a Sonic guy. So maybe that's that sort of like, sour grapes is the wrong term. But I think that maybe it, it kind of adapted it wrong for you. Whereas with me, I didn't, I didn't care enough about Sonic one way or the other. And I knew that they were going to make this, because you almost have to attach these things to a human somewhere. I don't know why they don't trust people to be able to kind of decipher how to deal with that which is kind of like... I mean, I didn't see Detective Pikachu, but it, it almost seems like it, these things never happen unless somehow you find some kind of way to hook them over the human. That's like the Godzilla problem. You can't Very. just allow it to happen. I would love to see them do... I mean, it's, it's almost too much money to, to make that kind of a risk, but I would love to see them try to do a movie where Godzilla and his ilk are having to, like... Go after it without necessarily. Like, I think it would be great. Hey, if anyone's listening, you ought to do this, and then you know, tag me and Cameron on some on some dough with it. But I think that it would be great if they had a movie where Godzilla exists. Because I mean, I guess it's hard to say now exactly. They've they've rewritten history so many times with that guy. But oh if yeah. Somehow he just ended up. <laughs> if somehow he ended up being like a natural force, or if he came in from elsewhere and landed, but he dealt with, like, cavemen, you know, where you wouldn't have to worry about English language or any sort of language with them, where the humans would be there and they would kind of feel the brunt of what was happening, but they wouldn't have to, like, worry about, you know, rescuing their daughter from across town. Like, there wouldn't be all these human concerns. Ah, okay, gotcha. You. So you're
0: You're talking like Godzilla meets, like, Quest for Fire kind of mode.
1: Yeah, because that way, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about a love interest and we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, whether or not this executive, this corporate evil was going to do something or this military uh, strategist was going to use something. It would just be about the monsters. And like, I always think of Castaway where it's like, you know, that movie was silent for so long during the running. And I love that movie. I didn't find I didn't find it to be empty for a second, so I think you could get away with. I think Clan of the Cave. I haven't seen Clan of the Cave Bear, but I think that they were They didn't talk a whole lot. I don't think in that movie.
0: I don't remember them doing. Now I have to admit, it's probably been 20 years since I've seen that. But Clan of the Ca- Clay Bear, or the Clan of the Cave Bear, I do remember seeing,
1: but I don't recall yeah.
0: them them talking a whole lot.
1: I would love to see. I would love to see because I mean, when it comes to video game to movie. It's all about the dollars. No matter how you slice it, it's all about the dollars. So it would be great to see someone take a risk and say, okay, we're going to make a live action. You want a live action Super Mario Brothers? We'll make one. But by God, it's going to be faithful. And it's going to be absurd because a lot of the stuff, you're going to be like, wait a minute. A human being is doing that? It's like, well, if you consider (laughs) Super Mario to be a human being, yeah, he did do that.
2: Yeah, put a squirrel
1: outfit on and flew. Yeah, that's what's going to happen here. So it depends on how all in you want to go with what you're doing and, and how if you can make it ridiculous. I mean, it's not video game, but I would have to say one of the biggest failures, I would say it was almost a cautionary tale that screenwriters tell each other around the campfire. where they say, hey, how would you like to have been the guy that got pulled into right battleship? You know? Oh god. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's another can of worms altogether right there cuz it, it depends it's like okay, well, there's I'm another another this.
0: topic for us. board games turned into into movies.
1: <laughs> I think that's a much shorter thing, but I would have to say Clue's got to be the granddaddy of them all.
0: Oh, Clue is that awesome.
1: Totally, I mean, to think about and also yet, yet again, if something is such a success and hits it out of the park so hardcore and it was so perfect, of course they're going to want to remake it with Ryan Reynolds. So it's like, well, what the fuck? But, um... Uh, yeah. yeah so I'd, have, I'd have to I would, see would,
0: what the rest of the cast turns out for that. I like Ryan Reynolds enough to check it out, but it also depends on the rest of the cast, I, because uh, that was such a, an ensemble piece. That wasn't just I Tim did, Curry, uh, that was Michael McKeon, Ellen Bernstein.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a fantastic, fantastic cast. And I've done... I kind of sit around with Melanie sometimes and I say, Hey, I've been thinking about, you know, a fan cast because they're talking about remaking clue. And I kind of want to see what you thought of it. So if you'd ever like to do a show like that, I would love to be in on a fan casting show. Cause I, I have a, I love sitting around doing that. Mostly when it's something I, when I think needs improving rather than, just remaking it for the sake of the, the branding and stuff. Cause the last time I heard Ryan Reynolds was going to be Wadsworth and that's a major league error. If, if that's.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I think about uh, that. Yeah.
1: Not, not, not so much. I mean, if anything, I mean, I had to think about a long and I can't remember who I picked. I have to look and see if I can find my notes on that. But, um,
3: I, I think if you're going to get anybody, it should probably be uh, Jeffrey Rush.
1: That would be really interesting because it almost seems like he would almost have to fade back into his uh Haunted Hill thing for that.
0: Yeah,
2: that's sort of, like that I mean, would be in the
1: neighborhood.
0: That was the first I thing think, I thought of.
1: <laughs> maybe this is maybe this is the wrong wrong thing to say about Jeffrey Rush, like one of the finest I mean, when he allows himself to be a fine actor, he's a fine actor. But it seems like he really uh I'm not sure if he's going for the fun or the money, and it really doesn't really matter because the guy is he is, a, he is a consummate actor, but I almost, this is going to sound really bad. I think his face is a little too crunchy for Wadsworth, but that's just me. Nah. I honestly think that Jeffrey Rush's face uh, is so craterous, he could almost play uh, Bukowski and get away with it. If <laughs> but uh, when it comes to, I think that we kind of, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Resident Evil was Resident Evil name only with a couple of things here and there. I think the people came out who played the game, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who would say, yeah, it's a, it's a good representation of the game, until a little bit later when they started uh, doing a little bit more of the, trying to harken back to exactly what they were trying to do. And maybe it's possible that they just couldn't do it, so they were like, well, let's let's shoot for something that hits close to the tone, which I always found to be, you know, survival haunted like a haunted survival thing even though it was
0: puzzle solving more, kind
1: of shit right even though it was more physical and visceral like it was puzzle haunted house survival so i wouldn't say that they hit the mark on that too much
0: it was See, a little that, too glossy that was where, where the the welcome the raccoon city actually hit the mark really well I'm, i think i was one of the few people who saw it who liked it <laughs> When Patty and I Aye. both went to go see it But you know I was really impressed it, um, It's a shame that it didn't do well at the box office Because it probably you know Greatly reduces chances of getting any kind of sequel But without ruining how it ends Because I don't want to ruin it for you But it does have one of those endings Like you would expect from a video game movie Like Resident Evil That has one of those endings Like oh is there another boss to fight Of course there's another boss to fight <laughs>
1: oh, well, well, you think, know, that I, we, we, I think that Okay, good. Uh, what were you gonna say?
0: No, no, no. Go right ahead. Go right ahead.
1: I was gonna say um, I think that when it comes to video games to movies, I think that when you when you try to approach that type of stuff, you have to do it with kid gloves. Because I, over time, my opinion on how um, on how adaptations ought to be done, and in this case, you know, in in my experience, what I think the most about, of course anybody who knows me is books to movies. And I've had to change my take on that over time, because I think a danger that a lot of people overlook because it rarely ever happens is them trying to be too faithful. And sometimes too faithful doesn't work either. As in the case of doom, Uh, I think that it was that the one you were thinking of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When we were talking first person shooter. Yeah, Doom. I think that Doom
1: I think that Doom was too faithful in some aspects and not faithful enough in others. It seems like they weren't faithful enough when it comes to the hellscape, but they were too faithful when it comes to the navigation around the space station.
3: Yeah, I just felt like it got almost into cheesy, and I'm going to reference uh,
0: another video game movie. Here, uh, is, uh House of the Dead. You know, House of the Dead. You know, did the thing where they actually used footage of the game in the movie. Oh,
1: bad move, bad move.
0: Bad. Yeah, like you ever seen it? You ever seen House of the, House of the Dead?
1: I honestly think that I would that I watched House of the Dead until they did that, and then I just can't. I just uh, i punched out
0: yeah it was like they actually used pop up footage of the video game during the movie like hey we don't you know that stuff that you came here to see done on film we're just going to show it to you in the movie that's how i felt when doom did the the first person shooter you know uh sequence and everything it was just like they tried way too hard you know like way you know, too I bought, hard to-
1: i bought hardcore henry but i haven't watched it yet and I saw uh, – one time I saw a movie called The Lady in the Lake, and it's a an old-school, like, detective movie. And I think that first-person film is really, really difficult to get right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've seen Hardcore Henry. I, I, I own it. it. It's a good movie, but after a while watching it, it, it be quite honest, it gives me a headache watching that first-person point of view. It, it's it's – Is this kind of like three D stuff? Like I don't, I'm not a big three D movie goer. I I tried a couple of movies in three D when it was all the rage and the you know, ten years ago or so, and it just gives me a headache. So it's just it's just not for me.
1: (laughs) In all honesty, I I honestly think that the uh, I can't remember what what the actual term for it is, but with the red and uh, the red and blue or red and green, I actually prefer the old school way. There was something about that that wasn't quite so intrusive. I guess you could say it was more artificial. So it yeah. didn't quite, yeah. like you didn't, because I remember like real school, uh, three-dimensional. And funnily, strangely enough, I actually found a documentary or like a little um, uh, featurette on Captain EO, the Michael Jackson film at Epcot Center. that mm-hmm. I saw when I was yeah. a kid. And that had some of the best 3D I've ever seen now to then, ever. I think it's because somehow it was just in its infancy where they were uh, sort of moving upwards from the red and blue glasses. And somehow it retained a little bit of that fakeness so you can actually know that something's happening. Because that's been most of my problem with modern 3D. Is that to me, I could barely tell anything was happening until you see rain like hit the screen itself that they would normally have programmed in here. Um, and it seemed like a waste of time. But you still end up with a damn eye ache or headache at the end of it. So I like I guess I like the faker three D better. Like, you know, Friday the thirteenth, it just gets it gets a laugh out of me every time. So I kinda like the That kind of three D the
0: the the red and blue glasses stuff. That that I, I, I was fine with it was just when they when it all started becoming the new rage here 10, 15 years ago, it was just, uh, yeah, it just didn't do well for me. And I, Doom was one of those ones that that failed on that same kind of level. It was just like they tried to recreate not so much the 3D aspect of it, but like the hardcore Henry kind of first-person shooter sequence. And it was just, it just felt like it was just done wrong. You know what I mean? Like half of it hit the mark and half of it didn't. And when you got- It's very
1: difficult. It's very, I mean, I almost think that it would have been a better move because you you've seen it in some films where they'll I mean not some a lot you'll see in a lot of films where maybe there's sort of like a drone uh, like a robot where you know, like you're let's say you're controlling the robot you're seeing through its eyes so there's a little bit of first person there but you realize that it is a um, one of the characters that's driving this first person and it's few and far between. And you kind of get the idea of what's happening. But if you're, if you're doing it sort of like in-universe, I'm don't i not so sure as I've ever seen it done at length and have it work. I just haven't. I, I don't believe so.
0: Yeah,
2: me Because even like
1: Dragon's Lair, even Dragon's Lair wasn't like that. You can still see, you know, you could see Dirt the Daring. If it, if it had been all, because, you know, that was Don Bluth animation and stuff that, that's fantastic. I mean, I would I would be really surprised if you weren't a real aficionado of that whole thing because they were using laser discs inside those machines. <laughs> I, I forgot
0: all about that, to be honest.
1: Oh, yeah. And I would but always it laugh been...
0: when I see a movie and they bring up laser disks and like, see, see everybody? They were a thing. I swear to God they were.
1: I've actually heard that they're doing a, uh, a Dragon's Lair film coming up, and – I think that that dragon, I think the dragon's lair is one where since it was an animated thing the whole time, I think I could actually live with them having full on, you know, where let's say he's making a decision in the middle of the movie. And then you see like the light blink on one side and that's where you're supposed to go. Like, I I think that if it was dragon's lair film, I think that would be one where you would totally steer into being faithful because then you could actually use that to comedic effects where at some point he was be like all right i've had enough of this or like maybe he's supposed to go one way because of the light blinking and then he makes a decision and that ends up changing his his future and maybe even being locked in to that cycle so i mean there're a lot of meta ways that you could go and it seems like with doom they that was definitely one that suffered from being faithful because but then again i mean i don't know a whole ton about the doom characters and stuff but I think that even the characters that they brought on from the video game itself were completely twisted and some of them were combined and changed and all that kind of stuff. Anyhow. So, well, you
0: know, and th- there was a sequel or I don't know if it was a sequel or a soft. Oh language. my God. Isn't it like
1: universally hated is like the worst sequel, the worst movie. Like, Oh, time. doom
0: annihilation. I have never seen it. I, that's one that's been on my short list of stuff to eventually watch, but I can't say much about it when everybody I knew that was talking about it was saying how horrible it was. I'm like, I'm in no hurry, no hurry whatsoever to see this.
1: Oh man. I've heard some serious venom about that.
0: I heard it is the worst movie sequel next to, uh, well, I'll mention another video game movie. It'd be a nice segue to, um, Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah.
1: Mortal Kombat. Um, actually I'm really surprised at myself that this didn't come to mind. Um, Yeah, that that's definitely a big one in my estimation because that was back. I saw that in the theater, and it was it's the mall that it was in. The theater was in is now like a burned out husk. Oh no, hollowed out to nothing. And I remember that was the same place where I saw Jurassic Park. And it used to be an event. I think the last two event movies that I remember seeing, or at least. It seemed like an event when the people were coming out was it and Infinity War. Or maybe Endgame. I guess it would have, I guess that Endgame might have been more of an event than Infinity War was. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, it just seemed like it was such, you might see a complete stranger, you all know him from Adam, but you have that in common that you're seeing that and the excitement just sort of like crosses over because. I think first and foremost, when it comes to making a movie and that's kind of what we're talking about when it comes to moving the video game over to a movie is, is it an interesting movie? Is it an exciting movie without the video game reference or with the video game reference? And I think that *Mortal Kombat* was one that ended up being a great movie regardless of the video game reference. Right. I'd agree with the
0: first one. The second one, not so much. We, we covered that on sequel to deja vu is one of the worst sequels ever made and how they could just previously a year and a half earlier gotten, you know, to be quite honest, gotten things so right and then turned around and gotten things so wrong. with that sequel, it just. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think talk about the if, too if, much. <laughs> if you were
1: to if you were to ask me, I would say it was because it ended already. Yeah, I think that it was such a concise or not concise, but definitely like it was so final that anything after that, like in my opinion, I've told people this before, if they were going to have, if they're going to have a sort of reclamation of, of that ending and stuff, they should have really let it drop and hang for a little while before they did that. And maybe not, you know, do it right away. I I would have waited a year and had people just like bite their fingernails on that one.
0: Yeah. I like the original Mortal Kombat a lot. It was like you said, it was, uh, it was an event movie. I, it was. I remember it being the first midnight showing of a movie that I ever went to go see. I went to go see it with a couple of my friends, and it was an event. You know, people were like, it was one of the first times I ever seen people dress up in character. You know, so by like,
1: midnight movie you mean like midnight of the day before.
0: Yeah, like the pre preview okay. screening, like on a Thursday night. You know, it was this. It was a limited event, and uh, I can't remember where I had won tickets from. They were you had to win them somewhere. It might have been a radio station giveaway. I completely forget where I got the tickets. But yeah, we went it's there, amazing. and there was people dressed up as Scorpion and people dressed up as Sub Zero, and it, it was nice. It was fun. Uh, I even liked the uh, the Mortal Kombat the the one that came out last year. Uh, the one that was uh, produced by James Wan, I thought was pretty goddamn good. Or to be, to be c- completely serious, I thought it was, you know, a lot of people shit all over. But again, again, I think uh, video game fans and, or second, probably only to horror and um, Star Wars fans when it comes to being a little fickle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, um, I remember I had seen a Mortal Kombat sort of like web series. And I think that Michael Jai White was part of it. And I got really excited yes. about that yeah. because it seemed like they were really, uh, they're really sort of digging in and getting gritty with it and stuff. And I don't know if that just fell over or, or what, but with this one in particular, um, I, I remember when you went to Walmart, Mortal Kombat was there. It was never empty. People were always playing it you go to somebody's house they're going to have one of the moral combats guaranteed when i went to to ball state they had a common room we had a, a, a co-ed dorm and in the common room they had a gigantic television and they had had moral combat hooked up and it was just it just seemed like it was a massive thing to me and when the movie came out i mean i'm i'm kind of I was trying to think when when we talked about other things i was trying to think of what the first uh, video game movie that came out was. And I was wondering if it was Super Mario Brothers. Um, but I don't know. No. I think that with Mortal Kombat, I think that they, they hit the ground running just due to the sheer popularity all across the board. Because Mortal Kombat was played by absolutely everyone. All ages, despite the violence, despite any kind of fatality, it was played by all ages. And then when the, I, I think they may have released the theme song as a single. And that just went sky high because it was like a techno boom just then. And just so happened that it was Mortal Kombat. It was techno and it had little interspersed audio from the game. So it was just like massive.
0: Oh, that theme was massive. You heard it in every fucking uh... Cool hall, you know, or anything. You, it's video totally game in my arcane. head right
1: now. I mean, it's in my head right now. So it's and like, you know, it's, it totally crossed over. Like, I've totally heard the moral combat theme mixed at like dance clubs and stuff. Like, oh, same, same. They, and, they and I looked use up, pieces of it here and there.
0: I looked up while we were talking, you are correct that Super Mario Brothers was the first video game to be adapted into a movie in 1993. So it beat, beat out, um, couple other ones that came out within like there was that whole boom in, in the mid nineties where everybody was making a you know a video game movie you had wing commander, double dragon, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Oh my God. But yeah, I wing think with Mortal Kombat
1: Yeah, oh my God. It's just I mean when you think about the game having Mark Hamill attached and then all of a sudden you get Freddie Prince Jr. in there, it's just like who even cares? Right. But <laughs> with um when you have when you have this setup I think that the setup worked so much better. So I think they had a few things going for them. I think they had a love of the material, number one. But they also, number two, knew how to work the material. Because it wasn't something where you're watching the video game film and everybody's walking in profile to make it look like the, the setup for the game or something. But right, you right. have the backgrounds. You have, like, the backgrounds on the video game became vistas in the movie. And if you look, like, you can totally, it doesn't hit you over the head, and they don't kind of like to go, look at this dungeon, or look at this forest. You just notice it, and you realize that you're looking at a three-dimensional world-weary version of that little two-dimensional screen background that you saw. And that takes a lot of love. I heard that that little area where, I guess, I don't know if it was... Considered like an extra dimensional area where Johnny Cage and I think it was Sub-Zero were fighting. Maybe it was Scorpion. I think yeah, I think it was Scorpion. Because I think they went from the forest to this weird sort of like metal area. Yeah. Where you're yeah. jumping around and like, stuff.
0: It was like an underground junkyard or something. <laughs> it almost looked yeah. Like.
1: And I think that that might have been some kind of strange alternate. Like the thing would flip over and then it would have an alternate thing there. So there was a lot of stuff where nowadays, like, you know, it would be like, you know, 20 things that you missed in Mortal Kombat. Whereas now, you know, if you'd ever played the game, I'm not gonna say it was subtle because it was definitely there and people it was there for people to recognize, but it was out of love rather than just like racking up Easter egg points.
2: Right, and I think right. that
1: with um, when you make when you make a two-dimensional thing into part of a world, and especially since when when you have the, the, I'm not going to say the mythology of the world building, because there was a mythology and a world building that had happened with that, but when the actual play comes down to the simplicity of a tournament setup, up, um, it kind of harkens back to Enter the Dragon. So like, if, and they all sort of travel there, and then they meet up together and go over. So like, it's got a lot of Enter the Dragon in there, which is totally, you know, on point. But it didn't right. seem it, it didn't seem heavy-handed. So then, when you turn that into the film, it makes it much easier to come across. And since sort of like the you have in those characters, you have some that are pretty human, and some that are more than human, and some that are less than human. So you can kind of use that as a dichotomy of sort of good and evil. And then you might have this some gray characters that kind of skirt the line in between. So it makes it easier to sort of set up the chessboard of a film with. And it just, uh, even now, like, I I honestly think that one of the major, or actually I would say the major drawback to watching Mortal Kombat today is simply the level of CG that they they had gotten to. That's it. Right, yeah. That's the only thing that holds me back.
0: And that, that's what because, I think uh, really holds back the, the sequel a lot. They just relied on a lot of CGI just to, like... I think they were just like, well, fix it in post.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no kidding. Because, I, I mean, I, when you see Goro... I remember, man, people went off when they saw Goro. And I, I honestly believe that it was mostly because it was physical. It was animatronic for at least most of it, if not...
0: Yeah, I was going to say pretty much all of it. I mean, I would going to say... It was either stop, stop motion or animatronic.
1: So it really, yeah. really came off and using, I mean, I guess it's, I thought I read somewhere that the actor that played Johnny Cage has some martial arts experience and all that stuff. And then I think they had to train the girl from uh, Billy Madison. I think that yeah. ended up being kind of like a real, I think that was a little bit of a burn on their time and their, their pocketbook to train her. But to believe in somebody enough to bring her in, and in fact, I think she may have been a replacement for somebody. You know, I think I can't, can't, remember. I can't re- remember who who it was. You know, I could cheat here and look, but I got enough. I think the replacement <laughs> was kind of a big name. I don't know if it was like Cynthia Roth, Rothrock or what, but um, I think she replaced somebody who was pretty vital. But for them to take the time to try to make her sort of uh, garage worthy, I think that really comes off and. Yeah, and, and I have to admit, back in the, the day when it came out, I was a little bit shocked that uh, Christopher Lambert was Raiden at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But in hindsight,
0: he even does do a good job. Probably,
1: he does do a good job, but is this a little jarring? Is this it's a little like... jarring. But I do think that he has this, there's no doubt about it. Christopher Lambert is strange in everything he's in.
2: And yes, I think yeah. that it's
1: mostly because at the very beginning, he had to say his English like phonetically. You'd have to like say it to him, and he'd like repeat it back to you. <laughs> so I think that makes him. He's just got an otherworldly quality to him, and somehow they made Raiden into like a sage and a comic, or in not a, yeah a comic relief character, sort of like Yoda was at the very beginning of him showing up in Return of the Je- or, uh, yeah, yeah. Of the Jedi.
0: I did look up that bit of trivia while while you were talking. And uh, Bridget Wilson, who played Sonia Blade, replaced Cameron Diaz, who was cast oh. out right after she had done the mask. But it, apparently, and this is all Wikipedia uh, trivia, but she had broken her wrist during training just before filming was supposed to uh, have you know started. So they picked her, they picked up uh, Miss Wilson up uh, after doing uh, Billy Madison. So she went from Billy Madison to Mortal Kombat.
1: I think that it was a good (laughs) choice. I think it was a good choice because I think that when Cameron Diaz uh, tries to look intimidating, she ends up scowling. And this girl sort of had, uh, I mean, not to put two point point on it, but uh, resting bitch face a little bit to use the parlance of our times. And so she didn't really have to scowl at somebody and she and you could tell she meant business. But I always was interested in Raiden in the game and later on in Kung Lao uh, because I loved the the circular hat, like the, I don't know what the, the name is for it is, but uh, I, I loved it ever since forever. And then, you know, knowing full well that it had to have been a little bit of an homage to Big Trouble in Little China, it was... Really, super resonant for me, and to be honest with you, it occurred to me just now that it is a crying shame that Big Trouble in Little China was never made into a viable video game. Because if you think about that,
3: they had was, all kinds
1: of stages. You could play as Wang, you could play as Jack, you could deal with the the baboon monster thing, you could go to the upside down hell of sinners, and you
0: know deal with the, the three elements.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, there's all you. it's it's a shame. It's a shame that it hasn't been done. And I think that now that we're sort of looking back at stuff, who's to say if it's them looking back at stuff, trying to make a cash grab for the people who've been trying to turn their kids onto this stuff forever, or if it's all in honoring it or whatever it is. But I'd be really surprised if at some point it didn't come out because it seems like it is just such a natural.
0: Yeah, it seems but to me I've like such a that. it seems like such a gimme, like that it should have been. But then again, in a just world, you know, Big Trouble in Little China would have been a much bigger hit than the the cult hit that it was, you know.
1: Yeah, and I'm really glad that the uh, the reboot sort of fell over because yeah. it seems yeah. like the Rock is just sort of stepping. It almost seems to me that the Rock just walks up to production companies and says, "Hey." I'm Dwayne Johnson. How you doing? Formerly known as The Rock. Uh, I am massive. I am handsome. I am very charming, and I've been in a bunch of franchises that made shit tons of money. And it just <laughs> seems like he can get anything. He can get anything done. I'm. I'm really glad that the Doc Savage, the Dwayne Johnson Doc Savage, never came to fruition. But uh, anyway, beside well, the well, point.
0: We'll see how he does with Black Adam. We'll see how, how he does in his first comic book movie, you know? Uh, yeah, that's... I was, that's... Just,
1: I, I was just lamenting that, because as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to try to use some shorthand so it, so it makes a little more sense. So I can roll right through this. I think that Black Adam should have been introduced like Sinestro was, even though Green Lantern was a shit show. Black Adam should have been introduced the way Sinestro was and hung out, and maybe even done, I guess, that uh, you could also use... Um, Mordo and Doctor Strange, where at first you're sort of uh, teetering allies, but then it it turns out that you're at cross purposes and then you become the villain later on. But I think that instead, Dwayne is using a a later iteration of Black Adam, which is more of an anti-heroic version of Black Adam, and forgetting the despot and forgetting all the really horrifically bad things that character has done. In order to make him a anti-hero instead, by giving him his own thing, and I'm, I'll, I guess I'll have to wait to see it to see what, exactly what happens. But
0: yeah, as I always sometimes say, wait until I, I, I
1: see a trailer before I really pass any kind of judgment. <laughs> sometimes I think that uh, having the person that you would love to have is almost a detriment, especially when it comes to Big Trouble in Little China stuff like that. I think that John Carpenter was a master of making the most out of the little that he had. And I think that when you have the most, then you do, you know, you do the lesser. If you don't have to kind of make necessity the mother of invention, you end up getting, you sit back on your laurels and then you don't, you end up not doing enough. Dwayne Johnson ends up being the center of attention and you might lose out on some stuff. Uh, even though I love them and get smart. I love central intelligence. But um
0: yeah, Get Smart was pretty good. I'd never
1: seen Central Intelligence on that. Today. It's it's worth it. It's it's a really it's a blast.
0: But but bears mentioning that the same uh, director Paul W. S. Anderson directed Mortal Kombat directed uh, what else? Resident Evil. So these movies. I was movies gonna ask all-
1: about that because that's yeah. what I thought.
0: Yeah, it's just and like I, uh oh I forgot the the name of the the director that did uh, Doom, but he also ended up doing that uh, Street Fighter movie. That came out many years ago, not not the, the uh, one, but the one that was oh, the, the Legend of Chun-Li,
1: which it was kind of like, wasn't that um, almost unintelligible as a Street Fighter movie? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it just he, he, he failed on an invisible level. The only thing I and walked away from you know, that movie liking was uh, Michael Clark Duncan. I think that was one of his last roles. And he's, you know, he's gold in everything he is. You know, you could have him reading the phone book and he'd be, you know, doing just fine.
1: I mean that's a great that's a great kind of like compare and contrast when you think of the Mortal Kombat film and the Street Fighter film, you basically have the same sort of tournament setup, and yet for some reason Street Fighter just could not stick it, and I don't know because I thought that Steven D'Souza had something to do with that. Yeah, that, it, that was though, his,
0: he directed that you know, and that came out within a couple of months of Mortal Kombat, and. I, I kind of like, I mean, I do kind of like Street Fighter on a cheesy kind of, you know, so bad it's good kind of level. But it's, like, amazing to me that two, you know, pretty big pr- produced movies like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat could come out. And Mortal Kombat, could, to me, do pretty well and hit the mark, but Street Fighter did not hit the landing or stick the landing at all. I thought it was... <laughs> It's like a movie I like to rip on. Like, I enjoy watching it from a bad movie standpoint, but it's not a good movie.
1: I think that Street Fighter, if it could have, if somehow it could have come out a year or two years after Mortal Kombat happened, I think they would have been better served for it because then they would have seen how to organically introduce a character rather than that complete, unbelievable insult that was Blanca. And then oh, the geez. little kind of half-assed dolls Zim thing, where it was just for like a blink and you miss it split second, bar- wasn't even the guy. Barely was. But then on the other hand, you have almost a direct photographic representation of Balrog, even with the hair and everything. Um, it just seems like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, do it. If you're not gonna do it then do it in a completely different way. It just seemed like it was so strange how they were trying to have some, like, they were trying to make Chun-Li exact. And then right, right. have something as crazy as Blanca. And I have to say, man, if I could stand in front of the the scales of the universe and say, please, please, can we put something on the other side of the scale and bring Roll Jules for another movie before it's passing because it's like, my God, there are so many actors who've had their final, final films be like the stinkers of a lifetime.
2: Yeah it's, um, yeah. it's
1: unbelievable. That guy deserved more. And he was actually, you know, as far as I know from uh scuttlebutt is that he was basically just doing it for his kids. And that's, that just goes to show what that guy was all about. But in the end, it's like, man, couldn't we end it with Gomez? Because I mean, it's like God. Could that guy have nailed that any better? I love oh, Raul Julia. Yeah,
0: love he him. he's my Gomez, uh, through and through. Those uh, Adam's Family movies are so good. The the first two, that the the Raul Julia ones. He just personifies Gomez to no end. It's just <laughs> it's
1: kind of. And you know, it, I mean, it totally. I mean, I suppose that when it comes to M. Bison you would want his performance rather than some kind of flat... Especially when you're dealing with all of this bullshit that he's surrounded by. I mean, the half-ass uh, Ryu and Ken alone is just kind of like, what? Especially since those guys... You could have almost put them on the set of Double Dragon and it would have been the exact same setup.
2: Yeah, they yeah, They look so
1: yeah. the other guys, anyway.
0: Um, and Double Dragon, talk about another movie that... Oh, completely missed the mark in that video. I didn't game even bother. Thing. As
1: soon as I saw uh, Robert uh, Patrick, I was like, "What?" <laughs>
0: yeah, he's got, got a funky on now. He's got a funky look in that one, man. He looks like an evil Guy Fieri.
1: Which, in and of itself, is just like that'll break a freaking multiversal portal right there. Trying to find a, you know.
0: Now, would you, agree, would you agree with me uh, on, to, to bring another one up that we've already mentioned, though? Super Mario Brothers. Would you probably agree with me about the only memorable part of that movie is Lance Hendrickson's cameo at the very end? I don't even remember that. Yeah, he's the one that dro- he drops in at the very, very end for, like, a blink-and-you-miss-it cameo.
1: What, who is he?
0: Uh, he was the king. Uh, I, b- I believe, if I remember right, I haven't... Watched it. God. You know what?
1: I I'm not so sure that I've seen. I must have watched it all the way through at some point, but man, I do not remember that at all.
0: I just remember him dropping in, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you those plumbers." He's like, "Yeah, I love those guys." And it was just like a literally blink and you miss it. Uh, trying to remember. Wow, that's what, amazing. I'm trying to remember for sure what character he played. I thought I thought it was the king, but I just just all I remember was Bob Hoskins being great. Everybody else being pretty bad. Even Dennis Hopper was pretty bad.
1: But well, I think uh, when you have, when, I mean, it seems to me that the way that they, that should have been handled was, you have a day in the life of Mario and Luigi. And you would have to have, because I mean, especially since they exist in the game, like portals and stuff. So you just have them doing some kind of job, but they're doing it, Let's say they're doing a plumbing job at the renovation of some castle. And then all of a sudden they fall into a portal and the world that they go to, it becomes almost like a sword and sorcery type of thing. That way Bowser makes sense. That way castles make sense. You know. Well, that's uh, who
0: Lance Henderson played, if I remember correctly, was King Bowser. Okay. Because I know Dennis Hopper was King Koopa.
1: And... So if you have that, it seems like if you had... Because then it could almost be like, um, I guess you could say like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, except it would be a New York plumber in King Arthur's Court instead, where there would be monsters about, but there would also be castles and there would also be underwater layers of such and such. So it seems like they could have, I guess it would have been another, it would have been a variation, but at least then you could have floating stuff maybe like you know since the universes were mixing there'd be parts of the castles floating in space and there'd be like treasure upside down i mean i guess there's all kinds of ways you could have gone and not done the flip side of urban life thing that they did and it was just incomprehensible like anybody who had ever played the game if all of a sudden you were presented with this it's like what what even is this.
0: Right. It's kind of like when we were talking on a previous show about uh, books adapted into movies. And we talked briefly about the dark tower. Like if you took the dark tower movie to somebody who had read the books, they'd be like, what, 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 what is this? That they, (laughs) this bears no resemblance to this, uh, this wonderfully made source material that I love so much.
1: I mean, it's terrifying that the, uh, the super Mario brothers, super, I think it was called the, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show where it was like Captain Lou Albano and some other actor playing Mario and Luigi in you know, in their apartment sort of introducing cart- the cartoon and stuff like the fact that that was more legit, it's just a weird it's just a weird set of circumstances and I think that they would have in fact, I almost think that it would have been a great idea if somehow the first Mario movie, would have been him as a, a plumber at this zoo, and then he has to deal with Donkey Kong. And that would have been the first thing, and then all of a sudden he ends up in a portal with his brother, and then they're in this other world. Like, I, I mean, I you need to go all the way, um, but well, still I think, play, I think video game
0: know? movies, though, have a strike against them from the get-go because they're trying to to, to please two different audiences. They're trying to please a movie-going audience, and you know, tran- make a, a translation of the source of material from a video game to a movie is tricky. But they're also trying, to, you know, they're trying to make both sides happy—the the, the, the movie-going public and the video game-playing public. And you know, there's—I don't know if there's a happy medium out there. You know, like the ones that get it right, you know, are almost small miracles in and of themselves.
1: I honestly think that *Mortal Kombat* has got to be in the top five when it comes to being faithful, being an interesting movie, being well made, and uh, being tonally on point. I can't think of another one off the top of my head that that got it such in the pocket as that one does.
0: Yeah, is that one or the aforementioned um, *Silent Hill*. I think would be the right. other one. Those are, the, I
1: mean, I, I would have to, uh, I would have to guess that those have got to be the top two.
0: Because I think it's a lot, lots of times they think, okay, we got a hot commodity here. It's like, like there for a while in the early 2000s, they had, oh, what the hell was it? Tekken came out as a movie, and then they that had actually. D- oh
1: wait, did it come out as a movie?
0: Yeah, it came out. There was a Tekken movie around um, oh, wow. 2007 or eight, and then there was even um, DoA Dead or Alive that came now, out. Now I the remember
1: same time. that as being like, I laughed. I audibly laughed when I saw the preview for that because I was like, "What? The? You got the girl from freaking Ringmaster jumping around in here? Was like, what, <laughs> what is going well, on?"
0: I, it was uh, so laughably bad. It was it, it was a it's a movie that I I love to watch because I have a thing for shitbag movies. I have a thing for bad movies as much as I like good ones. I like a bad one like that because it's like it's it's a train wreck it's just watching it's just like you know this was a series of board meetings that got way out of control and they're three weeks and three months into filming and they're just like we got to finish this shit this is a shit show but we got to finish it somehow so how was the
1: fight choreography
0: oh it's pretty i mean it's it's fairly intricate but it's pretty bad it's it, it's it's fairly staged I mean, there's uh, not really a whole lot of martial artists to, to be had in it. I think a lot of them feel very, uh, just it just feels very weak. I mean, I will give it a, 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 a couple of points. I, I know you'll probably laugh at the name, but I'm a, I'm a big Eric Roberts fan, and he plays one of the main kind of heavies. Oh, oh
1: no, no. Oh, dude, I totally agree. Um, that Sometimes I mention him, him, people give me
0: shit about it, but like, I'll, I'll, argued the point that he is a great actor. He just takes everything that's thrown at him. It is his worst quality. Hell, he's, he just uh, appears on the the latest season of The Righteous Gemstones. Sidetrack. Amazing show if you haven't
1: watched it. Um, Actually, someone had just mentioned it to me hours before we uh, talked tonight about yeah. uh, having wanted to see it. And they said it came out in 2019. I was like, God damn, COVID has fucked me up when it comes yeah, to yeah, time. I thought that, that just came out.
0: Yeah, that was uh, it was in twenty nineteen, but season two just got released um, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. They're All releasing right. it on HBO Max. But they, he's he's one of the highlights of the movie, and Kevin Nash is in it as a kind of fun fun
1: character. As awesome. I well, I mean, I loved him in the Punisher.
0: Oh yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's an intimidating to say the least. But it's the movie's kind of a joke, to be quite honest, Dead or Alive is it's on the same level as Tekken. Tekken I've watched once. And I pushed most of it out of my mind. <laughs> I, I, I quite successfully pushed most of it out of my mind. It was that bad.
1: Um, I uh, I have a little bit of a super-duper wild card that is kind of absurd in what we're talking about. But I think that I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up in some kind of fashion. And that would be Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, Even yeah, though it's but... not, you know, it, it's, I mean, it, it kind of breaks the rule that you put out there at the very beginning. But... I think that you have to mention it because it is so in universe of like a a video game in and of itself that you can't quite not talk about it because it has when you head somebody headbutt someone and, and coins go flying everywhere, I mean that's that's about as good as it gets. So I mean I guess. I don't know how you would rate, I don't know how that you would put that in here on this, but I almost think that. Be it almost like a a subcategory, a
3: subgenre, you know, video games within movies, because one I wanted to talk about, but it's complete. It's like Scott Pilgrim versus
0: the World. It it, it doesn't quite fit in because it's not based on a video game, but his brain scan, which also came out yeah, in 94, man. ninety four. Yeah. With the trickster, you know, with, with the when they're that immersive, you know, world uh, CD ROM <laughs> game. with that I mean, Eddie Furlong's good in it, he was hot off a T Two. And but T Writer Smith, I remember him. I I don't know that I've seen him in anything else, but he was so great as the trickster. You know, and it's almost a kind of
1: such an interesting.
0: Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's 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 it, it's one that like you would say I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. It's kind of falls into a different category altogether, but it still, to me, sort of counts, just like a Scott Pilgrim.
1: Well, it's it's difficult to it's difficult to classify because, I mean, in this case, I think that what we're talking about, I think that it might be able to fall in line because. I think it's a different side of the coin where the ones that we're talking about, were like, well, how much did it bring to the table about this particular video game? Whereas these are two movies that brings video, game themse- video games themselves into stark relief, where you have things that aren't necessarily based on a video game you've played, but there are elements of playing video games in there that have been dramatized in a real life setting. So I think that that almost falls in there because with brain scan, that's actually sort of like a different, uh, different animal that was prevalent then. And is prevalent now too, really, if you think about it, I mean, I'm not so sure they call it a, a, a CD ROM anymore, but when it comes to, people don't
0: even know what CDs are anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's the it's,
1: it's same. But I would have to say, man, uh, out of shadow of a doubt, that was the only thing after T2 that I liked Edward Furlong in. And that movie was nail-bitingly suspenseful. It was very, very good. It is totally underrated. And in fact, at the time and even today, I think that at a glance, uh, the trickster looks silly. However, when the trickster is doing his thing, man, I get exactly the same vibes that I did when Freddy first hit the scene. So he's like, uh, he's kind of this unstoppable, malleable type of monster. And I honestly think, because I think they came out with trickster masks. So I think that they were hoping that the trickster would take off. But there were so many twists and turns in that movie. But it all made sense in the framework of the video game. And even at the end, you weren't quite sure if it was all over That movie is underrated. Uh, I can't remember if I saw it in a theater or not, but I know I saw it a lot when I was younger. And then,
0: um, I went on one of my very first dates was to go was going to see that movie. And I can see that being a damn
1: good one. I can see that being a damn good one. That was a damn good
0: date movie. movie. It was a damn good date movie. Saw it at the drive-in. I don't remember what it played with, because by the time the second movie uh, came along, I wasn't paying any attention to it. but yeah i just remember that it was uh, it, it was it was fucking good i saw it more than once i remember i went back and saw it the second week cuz i don't think it was around in theaters very long it was it had probably a short 2 3 week release cuz it did not do well i think that movie's as you put it, it it's it's almost criminally underrated
1: oh yeah i would be really surprised if it didn't have a um, have a second life at some point if you can if people can get over themselves when it comes to the the dating of the technology and stuff. But I don't, I honestly think that a good double feature with Brain Scam would have been the um, the trick-or-treat that had Gene Simmons in it.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think those kind of share something between those two. I don't know if it has to do with, like, a teenager unlocking powers that he doesn't understand and it kind of, like, goes out of control or what. But I have to say that, yeah, I, I think that it's okay to talk about those two because if you have let's say for the sake of argument that you have a a video game movie that is the video game name only and everything else is completely changed i think that's far more disingenuous to video games than a movie that kind of has video game tropes and moves and rules in it but isn't necessarily based on a video game that you've seen
0: well that's why i actually had a I wouldn't say an argument, but a debate with uh, somebody here recently about what uh, they thought the, the very first uh, video game movie was Tron. And uh, actually, Tron came out. That was a movie before it was a video game. And I think a lot of people yeah. ha- have that kind of yeah. that, sort of that, as we were talking before, the Mandela effect that, oh, like, oh no, no, it was a video game first. But I'm, I was, like, barely certain that it wasn't. And that's a movie that I remember not liking as a kid. I don't know if it just went over my head, but like as an adult, I love that movie. I love the original Tron. Do I ever
1: have a good story about this one? Because I mean, when you said that, I was like, yeah, that I think that definitely falls into the category that we're talking about here when it comes to, uh, tonal video game films, because I agree with you. I think that because the video game, I played the Tron video game at the skate, the skating rink I went to as a kid, which is just bringing everything back. And it was totally branded with the Tron logo from the film. I, I think that that was a, yeah, I think they did that that way. But with Tron, I'll never forget it. Because it was probably the first thing that I could remember that actually expanded my mind when I saw it. Because, you know, we sit down, I'm sitting next to my mom, went with my grandma. It's it's such, so weird to think about going to that movie with my grandmother. But I'm sitting, I think my mom was on my left, my grandma was on my right and we're watching it and I don't think my sister wanted to see it so we're watching it and I'm kind of loving the sort of Buena Vista Disney live action 70s feel of it where it's like a Disney movie but it's happening in real life with real people doing their own thing and then Jeff Bridges because I mean I went to the arcade all the time and at the actual skating rink where I saw Tron like we spent so much time there that the noise of the arcade was like mother's milk to me.
2: So
0: I, I think it that, that, it was that way to me too. I used used to go to one that was a, uh, an arcade at the mall that was across from the movie theater that we used to go to called Aladdin's castle. And it was, there's there oh, something about, God, just, yeah, it was, it was a great, great place. I, I miss it so much. It, so many, uh, met many quarters and so many hours of my childhood sp- spent at that fucking place, man. Let me tell you.
1: So it, it arrives at Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleitner and the girl, I can't remember her name now, but she was a uh, Lacey Underall and Caddyshack. Um, they break into that place with that gigantic steel door. I think that that was at some sort of like, I don't know if it was like the jet propulsion laboratory or what, but they were actually in some kind of scientific thing there. And he goes up and sits down to talk to the MCP. And he says, you know, I, i like to see how you would do in my world or whatever. And he blasts him with that laser. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he blasts him with the laser and then he cubes him, pixelates him, and brings him in one cube at a time into the laser, into this new world. So many thoughts. Like I can honestly say that that moment expanded my mind because I was like, oh, my God, that computer just took him apart. Oh, my God, the parts he was taken into are still alive. Would it be the oh my God.
0: time that somebody been pixelated in a movie then? Would it, would it have been, I wonder?
1: Uh, I wonder, too. I wonder, too, because when it took him away, I was just like, he's still alive. All those pieces are still alive. He's still intact. He's being translated into. So, like, my mind, it was like the Grinch's heart. My mind just exploded inside my skull. And I looked over and threw open my mom's popcorn. Oh geez. <laughs> my mind was so fucking blown. I was never the same. Sensory I honestly overload. Th- this is really weird. I think I was smarter after that than before. I think that so many thoughts, so many implications were running through my head. Even when I watched Tron now, I remember how powerful it was because like you're seeing somebody getting taken apart. It was so crazy, the implications. So I, I, and it was funny because they took me out, and for decades, everybody just assumes that I was afraid. Oh. They thought I was afraid of it. And that doesn't even cover the emotion because I was just like, the universe is inside this thing. Like It's like, whoa! I just like lost it.
0: <laughs> it was um, an inception kind of moment, right?
1: Oh, absolutely! Absolutely.
0: Now, did and you? So, see, yeah, we, I mean, did you see the sequel, the 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 Tron Legacy? That I have never seen. I I realize I it's did. been out for. I know. I realize it's been out for at least a decade, and I need to quit dragging my feet and see it. But I didn't know. if it was I did
1: see it, um, and I think that there is a drawback to Tron Legacy that they had they hadn't anticipated, which is I think people miss the low-tech sort of uh, circuit board neon reflective stuff of the old thing. Because what you see in this one, and it kind of, I was like, what the hell? And then I realized that what they were exhibiting in Tron Legacy is the advancement of the video game. So if they would have had it in the old style, it would have meant that the video game hadn't advanced. So what you see is a beautiful landscape, that looks like a cutscene from uh, a modern video game where it's like ah. cinema quality, everything's shiny, everything's perfect. So when you put those suits on a human being, it just looks like a human being in a suit rather than in the old days. Of course, you knew it was a human being in a suit, but it was ethereal looking. Like to you, this is a different being altogether when you saw it. Whereas in this new thing, it's all about being lifelike and realistic looking, so in my opinion, it didn't take you out of the world that you're in very much. But the Dab Punk soundtrack is beyond belief.
0: Nice, nice. I see here actually. I was I was, I was looking up trivia in between that the guy who directed uh, Tron, his last movie was a movie with Mark Hamill called Slipstream, which is a pretty obscure kind of movie, but uh, another weird sci-fi flick that I love a lot.
1: Not I've almost related. bought that so many times. It's I've good. Seen Slipstream sticking out of the VHS bin so many times. I just never bought it because, for a while, I'll I'll be honest. For a while, Mark Hamill was not the legendary institution that I would take a bullet for. For years, he was in stuff that I honestly couldn't care less that he was in it, and then and now in hindsight, when I've realize what a national treasure that guy is i've kind of gone back and revisited some stuff and realized oh man that guy's in sleepwalkers you know yeah so it's yeah. like oh shit in,
0: uh john carpenter's body bags who was in the the best short in that that movie
1: you know i watched that once upon a time and i meant to revisit uh i saw it scrolling by on shutter and i meant to revisit it and i honestly and this is going to sound really bad I remember, one thing that I remember from the last time I saw it is thinking, man, John Carpenter should not have been the Crypt Keeper in this one. That was the <laughs> thing that, that occurred to me. I mean, how much better would it have been if he would have gotten uh, Tom Atkins? Oh, right. Like, and, you know, not necessarily having be the Crypt Keeper, but, like, let's say Tom Atkins is doing what he does best, chomping a cigar in, like, the files of some little precinct somewhere, and he's like, you think you think that case is bad? Listen to this house of horrors. And then he was like, go into the other, you know, there are so right. many other better ways that it could have been done. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. Um, the stories themselves were pretty good, but the wraparound, it just felt out of place for what they were doing. They were, it it, it was uh, what I call stuck in the Freddy Krueger isms of the world, you know, just trying to be gross and funny at the same time. And it oftentimes didn't work, but the stories themselves as individual, you know, Anthology shorts are pretty good.
1: Um, speaking of anthologies, um, and we're kind of, we're messing with the topic here a little bit, but yeah, we always do. The, <laughs> have you seen the Emilio Estevez movie nightmares? Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. There was I a,
1: there was a video game. Was that the wraparound on that one? The video game arcade. Well, that was the one with um,
0: that came out in what nightmare 83, 84. Yeah. It was
1: early. It was early.
0: Well, I, th- I, I remember like, how he
1: was playing games, video games, and then that's how everything got set up.
0: I can't remember how it gets set up. I do remember the the video game story being, uh, you know, one of the one of the stories, but I don't remember if that was the ra- wraparound or not. I, it, I um, guess it's it's been got it's it's been more or less at least. 10 15 years since I've watched it I have not revisited that movie in a long time so I'm a little iffy on it whether or not that was uh, the case whether or not that was the wraparound I do remember it being one of the main stories but I don't remember if that movie really you know had much of a wraparound
1: did it I do I do have a major uh, I I don't remember either and to be honest I probably shouldn't have brought it up if I didn't I was kind of hoping that you you would remember remembered <laughs> <laughs> but um, one thing I do remember, though, is how kind of incensed I was at Max Payne when that came uh, out. Yeah, that's the one I that, that I almost—I
0: almost deliberately didn't mention that one. But yeah,
1: well, all I could think of was like, who came first, the chicken or the egg? With the kind of like the Sin City uh, vibe to that. That was one of the because when you have a movie, when you have a video game. And then you make a movie of it, and it seems like not only are you stealing, not necessarily stealing, because you're making the video game into a movie, but when the video game is stolen from other things, and you're stealing from other things to make the video game movie, it seems like Max Payne was just theft all around.
0: Well, you know, it was a movie that, I, I, again, I watched once, and I remember being so enraged at how bad it was, and how badly it missed the mark with the source material that, you know, let's have a, a movie that's about slow-motion gunplay and this crazy alternative theme with the Viper and whatnot. It, yeah, um, that movie pissed me off,
1: <laughs> to, to say the least. Didn't they introduce, like, a supernatural aspect that didn't exist in the universe?
0: Yeah, yeah, if I remember right, yeah, they did, and it, it didn't make I. any...
1: Jonah Hex?
0: Yeah, oh, God, Jonah Hex. Oh, another movie that we ought to—we ought to have one segment, but I'll have to—I'll have to uh, run it by you at some point. We'll have to do a segment of movies that pissed us off because that would be way at the top,
1: way at the top. Of well, the that's another—that's another potential murder thing where it could have been great, but I think that it just—it was a matter of it could have been great if you did it as a straight western. Because I'll be honest with you, when I was a kid, and I felt, man, this is a rabbit hole. When I was a kid, my stepdad, later stepdad, would bring home gigantic crates of coverless comics. And I didn't care. Like I'd, I'd read them, and it was awesome. And I read a bunch of Jonah Hex that way. Well, I was to find out later that the coverless comics were, it was mandated by the comics company that, any one that they didn't sell, that they would tear the covers off and then they would dispose of them and somehow get some kind of reimbursement from them. But those coverless coverless comics would end up as contraband on ships that were going to Europe because they would say, well, we need ballast. So we'll pay you for that. And then they would end up selling the comics and uh, they would somehow they would lose their ballast in the middle of the Atlantic ocean somewhere or Pacific, whatever. I'm bad at I'm bad at the oceans.
0: But one of the big one of the big ones, right?
1: <laughs> one of the big ones. So that's how comics got to like the Ukraine. There would be coverless comics that were supposed to be thrown away. So there was like this whole underground black market coverless comic thing. And that's how I learned about Jonah Hex. And then um, later, either when the movie came out or post movie, I learned that Jonah Hex ended up having like. A really awesome comic run uh, later on that I read feverishly, and I honestly think uh, I learned a lot when it comes to like comic making from that. But Jonah Hex, in and of itself, the movie—they—it's one of those things where you add something and it takes away when you add it. Uh, not even mentioning uh, Megan Fox, but Max Payne. Back-to-back Spain. I mean, is it me, or is Mark Wahlberg a movie killer?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, for me. Almost every movie he manages to kill almost every movie that he's in. There's very few movies that I like with him. I, I would like a movie,
1: Not, I guess you could say despite the fact that he's in it, if that makes sense. I mean, I like the Italian job okay, but I think it was due to the ensemble cast that helped on that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like The de- Departed, but his role in that was also very minimal, too.
1: Right. And, you know, I guess it's going to remain to be seen, and a little bit back on topic, uh, how Uncharted does. Because uh, he's in that. I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that it's going to be an abbreviated part in Uncharted. Uh, I saw that trailer on uh, No Way Home last weekend.
3: Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that a couple of weeks ago myself.
1: So, I thought that they were done doing video game movies, but I guess it's still in full swing.
3: Yeah, they're
0: still doing I mean, like, Mortal Kombat had the reboot here a little while ago. I, I was reading somewhere that they're doing another Hitman video game. And oh, Lord have
1: to... mercy, man. That was such a disappointment to me.
0: Yeah, I only saw the, the one, the one with Timothy Oliphant, but the other one I hadn't seen. uh I, I, the, 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 sadly enough, the, the Timothy Oliphant one despite the fact that I love almost everything he's in. I yeah.
1: was gonna say I would watch Timothy Oliphant count Skittles on a bark bark top. But it's like, <laughs> you know, what the hell? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Santa Clarita diet, there ought to be someone should be publicly decapitated that. Santa Clarita Diet only got two seasons, and Kardashian's gotten up to, like, fucking I don't even know what. Right, it is a sad right. state of affairs. But, yeah, Timothy Oliphant was was absolutely the, the worst choice for that. I never saw the the reboot or whatever you'd call it.
2: Oh, the stone
1: guy. Yeah, I can't remember who was that. It was one of those. I just, think you kind of have to have, I think that with something like that, you can't have Timothy Oliphant and you can't have like an unknown stone faced person either. You have to somewhere like hit it in between those two lines where you got someone that you can recognize, like someone who has a little bit of star power, but who has star power for doing stuff like that. And they didn't, I don't think they found either one of those.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think, uh, I mean, to say Jason Statham is almost kind of a gimme, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I just don't think they found the per- the right person yet and I don't know that I have the answer as to who it should be but so far they just say you know you can put put the best actor in a role but doesn't mean that they can play that role doesn't mean they're right for it and yeah that that was the, that movie was this one that suffered from miscasting and I'm pretty sure that the other one I think they might have just called it Agent 47 uh, it just <laughs> yeah just didn't just didn't look good enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give that movie two and a half hours of my time.
1: I mean, you have to be completely riveted by that guy. Like, the guy is the linchpin for the whole thing. If you're not riveted by that guy, it's not going to happen. And seeing Timothy, I mean, it would, <laughs> it would be a different thing altogether if Timothy Oliphant didn't have one of the best shocks of hair of any actor that exists on Earth. His right, hair right. is just fantastic. So if you're going to put a bald cap on that guy, it's going to stick out like a sore fucking thumb. <laughs> his head uh, looks twice as long wearing that thing. It's just because, it, you know, he didn't shave his hair. There's no fucking way. That mop no, is no, beautiful, no. man. It's beautiful.
0: I, I, so wish I, I, had a, I wish I had a hair, had a hair like that <laughs> at his age. No, know. <laughs> you know.
1: But I mean, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of a shame. With sort of like what you what you've seen in Wreck It Ralph, it's kind of a shame that they haven't done more of a. When like when you see the villains' little, like the bad guys' uh, support group thing, when you see <laughs> yeah. what they can do with those things, it just makes you want to have them do it. I mean, I mean, maybe that's where the Super Mario Brothers with the kind of like the late lamented Chris Pratt's voice is going to be happening. But, I mean, Uh, it seems like if you're going to – because when I saw, like, Zongief, and then you could see that, like, Zongief has a heart, you know, it makes you want to see that kind of stuff. And, um, I don't know. I think that you could – I mean, it just seems like it's going to be a miracle if at some point Pac-Man doesn't happen. And, I mean, you name it. It could be – I mean, I guess Pixels was trying to do that. I was just going to say Pixels attempted that. I think that what happened with pixels is uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hesitate to say that Adam Sandler got his grubby hands all over it. I'm going to hesitate on that because I think even though he did get his grubby hands all over it, I think that that (laughs) suffered from like we, like we were talking about before when you take the human element to a non-human story and then you just push it as, as far as you can. I mean, it'd be much different if for some reason you had – it seems like I'm totally drawing a blank and I ought to be making a reference here to something that exists. But has there ever been one besides Tron where, like, a person has found themselves in a video game world where, like, they're playing a video game? I know there's a reference, and it's not
0: coming Um, to mind. Maybe uh, the movie I'm thinking of is Gamer. Which are Butler. Oh,
1: that's... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's... But, I mean, I guess this this would be one where it would be like a branded game and then it would end up in there. But with uh, Pixels, that short... Have you ever seen the short that it's based on? No, no, I have not. I had no idea until you mentioned it right now that it's... The short business. is fantastic because it, it does everything that the movie was trying to do in such a smaller amount of time and in such a smaller place... And it totally puts across everything that the movie was. The movie just totally failed to do. And I honestly think that whoever was in charge of wasting Peter Dinklage in such a fashion ought to be kicked until they're dead. That guy was wasted in that movie. Yeah, and he how he, put, and and just like everything else, he puts his all into it,
0: man. Yeah, how in the hell you can put him in a movie and waste him? Is, you got to be a special kind of. Uh... <sighs> a special kind of dumb.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, when you're looking at this guy and you're like, oh, man, he's bringing it. We all better elevate. And then Adam Sandler looks like he's bored to tears during the entire thing. I mean, you got to get your game face on. That was just ridiculousness. Because to me... So did you watch that movie all the way through?
0: Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I did. I don't remember a whole lot about it. It was... it was.
1: To not, me, not, not I high thought up that part where... I thought that part where Pac-Man bit that guy, that struck me the, exactly the same way as Tron did, because to me, that was straight-up body horror when his when his hand was coming apart, pixelated and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, holy fucking shit, that guy's arm is coming apart. Because then it's like, is it going to come back? Is he ever <laughs> going to have an arm again? Like, I've, I that was the most striking part of that whole movie. Other than, of course, Kevin James being the president. Oh, God. But you could have totally played that off... Have you seen the documentary um, Fistful of Quarters? No, I have heard of it, though. Man, I totally recommend it. And they, for a split second, <clears throat> I thought they were going to use that as a template for what they were doing. And they blew it out of all proportion. If they would have kept it in that sort of arena. So do you know what that doc- documentary is about? Like I, I, Vaguely. I
0: mean, I know it's about an arcades and whatnot, but I don't really know.
1: Okay, basically, that movie is about the life of uh, video game experts back when video games just began. It was sort of like, when you think of like Dogtown and Z-Boys, you think of like these young kids who get kind of enlisted because they have a new talent, which would be skateboarding. In this case, Atari would, uh, would grab up all these kids and make them almost like a, not necessarily a street team, but like when you saw Atari, you saw these these certain kids that became celebrities because they were experts at like Centipede and and Donkey Kong and Dig Dug and all this stuff.
0: So take the take the, the kid kids, on, on the block that was the best at Galaga and put him to work.
1: Right, and then they would be they would end up in marketing and they would have big conventions and tournaments and stuff. So it was like the wizard for real, and one of the guys. If I remember this correctly, one of the guys who was like tops, he ended up winning this Donkey Kong championship that no one was ever able to best him. So he used his fame to make this like barbecue sauce company. So he was like an executive. And all of a sudden, there was this guy who bought a stand up uh, Donkey Kong machine and put it in his garage. And he played it day in, day out, day in, day out. And he beat the score. But in order to have that score, like they are full on serious about these scores. So like, if you think you beat the score, you have to produce a video of you doing it and send it in. And they have to bring out an inspector to look at your machine and make sure there's no wrongdoing and stuff. Like they are fucking serious.
0: Pretty stringent on the rules.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Which I'm totally okay with that. But to think that a game that had come out so long ago, and they're still uh, regulating that in such a way. It was fascinating to me. And uh, the guy, and like, guy, the barbecue sauce guy was like a ready made villain. Like, it was stupid as hell that Adam Saylor and those guys didn't play up that whole thing because Peter Dinklage was basically, if I remember correctly, he was like the hotshot of the gamers and so was his barbecue sauce guy and he would like he would totally wreck your name if if he thought that you were trying to take his spot at the table it's a fascinating documentary
3: Well, I had, I had one last question I wanted to ask. So
0: it's kind of a, a best, best of times, worst of times kind of question. Basically uh, what I wanted to ask was uh, what is your, I guess after we can, we can sum up, you know uh, we're not doing a rating system because <laughs> we've talked about way too many movies to do a rating system tonight. That'd be a whole nother show, but uh favorite video game movie adaptation and versus your least favorite. I, I figured we you could both give ours, and you, you can go ahead and give yours first.
1: I think that I would. I think that it would have to go to um, to Mortal Kombat. I think Mortal Kombat would have to be my favorite because, you know, I mean, when it comes to like a critical eye, which is something like you know, of course you have, and in a in a more uh, amateurish way, I I do too, because you know, that's just the way it is. I think that <laughs> when you look at something. It's not necessarily, even though, you know, you said you like bad things, you can totally like bad things. And that's a completely different flavor because you understand that it doesn't pass muster in ways that other things you kind of require them to. Right, so to right. me, Mortal Kombat was, I remember the event. I remember the feeling. I remember what it was like when I was younger to play those games And then how that translates to the movie, I thought it was done so honorably where you couldn't, like nowadays, you would look at something like that. It was done now and say, wow, they're totally playing to the brand. Whereas with that, they wanted to be legitimate and they wanted to be faithful. And of course, it's not a coincidence that ended up making money, but it just, but it just didn't seem to me that that was the main Thrust of the of how they put that together. It seemed like it was, and it wasn't even a love letter, because I think some people might even say that, you know, like Spider-Man No Way Home is a love letter to Spider-Man. I don't think it was a love letter to um Mortal Kombat. I think that they were trying to distill what you felt when you played Mortal Kombat into a two-dimensional live-action series of events. And I think that it succeeded. Like, if you were to go back and Lucas it all over the place and change some of the CG and stuff, all all like that, um, I honestly think... Normally, I wouldn't go for that. But I think there's so few things that you could do it and it would be better for it. When it comes to the worst, um, and that's a tougher one. Because when it comes to the worst, it's kind of like, why is it the worst? So... <laughs> If I were to say Super Mario Brothers, I would say the departure from everything that the video game stands for, and if I were to say Street Fighter, I would say um, just, I mean, half-hearted isn't quite the word for it. It just seems like it's, it was inferior from start to finish, and the only shining beacons in it are Raw Julia, and in a tarnished, buffoonish way,
3: Jean-Claude. So there are yeah, a
1: cartoonish, especially yeah. there are things that you can take away from both of those. And with Super Mario, it has to be how absurd the actual adaptation ends up being. Um, so it's it's difficult to choose between those two. So I guess I'd have to kind of cheat and say, well, Super Mario is my least favorite due to how they completely uh botched. I mean, I guess they were trying to innovate when they did it, but they were trying to make something completely different because I think they honestly didn't know what to do. I think that they were tasked with making the money by making this thing, but they didn't know how to go about doing it at all. So they just kind of, some people might say, hey, they, they went in a really weird avant-garde way of doing it. But when you're trying to represent something that exists already, you can't, you can't twist it too much. Otherwise, it's completely unrecognizable. And the only thing you're making money on is the name and the name alone, which does happen. And I hate with a passion. Yeah, so, when, it's just
0: a, when it's just a cash grab.
1: I mean, I guess, uh, you know what? I, I guess that that'll do it then. I guess I'll have to say Super Mario on that one. Uh-huh. Uh we're pretty close. I I I'm I'm going to
0: cheat a little bit myself. I have two favorites. Uh one being the original Mortal Co- Mortal Kombat and I think I do I mean I do like the reboot that came out last year in 2021. It, it's it's just a different kind of movie. It, you know like you said uh the Mortal Kombat the, the from 95 was just an event movie. It was a big movie for me when it came out. You know I had just graduated high school I was still very much an avid gamer I mean I'm still pretty you know pretty much still a gamer but t- to a lesser extent but it'd be a toss-up between that and the original Silent hill I really really like the original Silent hill I-, I agree with you on a lot of levels about that movie that I think it's the movie that got the the overall thematic qualities of the game right
1: and adapting them for the movie I think it was I think the, the movie reason why close. I just I think the reason why I didn't pick Silent Hill is because, and maybe this is kind of weird that I'm almost sort of, uh, I'm almost sort of uh, punishing it for being as good as it is. For me, I think it transcended the game, so I I couldn't pick that one in good conscience because I think it transcended the game. I think that it ceased to be the game. It did it so well, and it was so atmospheric, and it was such. It was its own thing and the other thing at the same time, that I think that it kind of it's in a different category. Fair Whereas Moral Combat it completely encompasses and and embodies the thing. I think that Silent Hill is so good on its own merit without having uh, without considering the connections to the video game that you almost have to have it in a different uh, echelon. So I didn't pick that
0: one. Fair
1: enough, I I, I could see that. But
0: yeah, that'd be my two choices for the best—the best of the best—and the worst. That's a really hard choice. I, I should have thought about this a little harder before I thought of this question. <laughs> the worst—I'm um, going to give it to—I'm going to I'm gonna give it to Blood Rain, which is a movie—a movie that we didn't even talk about. Oh,
1: for the love of fuck's sake! I totally forgot about that.
0: Yeah, I think there's a reason why I forgot about that because I, I figured we had already talked about. Uh, House of the Dead which is pretty bad but I find it enjoyable on the level of like again that it's so bad it's good Uh, I love watching movies like that and kind of giving them the as they say giving them what for Uh, I love just having a beer and some popcorn and giving these movies a hard time with friends and family you know and just like kind of watching it as a party movie but so I do have a good time with that movie but man Blood Rain. That, that Was, was that T three chick? Yeah, Christiana Loken. Okay. Yeah she she played played Rain in the first movie. Then there was two other movies where they were played but where uh, a different actress played the part. Uh, they didn't get. <laughs> I don't think they got anybody to come back for the second one or the third one. I think it was like new cast all the way around. But that was a movie that pissed me off because it had an impressive cast. You know, it had. Meatloaf, uh, Michael Pere, Udo Kier, Michael Madsen, uh, I think Ben Kingsley was even in it at one point, uh, Billy Zane. I mean, all pretty wow. decent actors and a great cast, all utterly just misused and miscast. And Oh, God, yeah, bad, bad movie. I, I That's a movie where I haven't even watched part two and part three all the way through. I tried giving them equal shots at one point and... I think I watched about 15 minutes of each and it was just like, yeah, I'm checking out, checking out. <laughs> like I said, I love a good, bad movie, but a movie that's just trying to be good and fails the movie that, you know, is aiming for the, you know, like, for instance, like a movie I, I love that's a bad movie, Samurai Cop, you know, that's a movie uh, I love that that's a bad
1: movie. That's a legend and I still haven't seen it yet.
0: <laughs> okay, you got to, sir. It, it, it isn't an event it, it, it isn't an event type of movie you'll you'll never be the same again you All may right. need a vacation or therapy after watching that movie <laughs> and, and probably a little bit of both yeah oh uh, but yeah yeah so yeah my my least favorite is uh, it was a toss-up between house of the dead and Br- blood rain but i'm going with blood rain both directed by you bowl you know he did several mm-hmm. uh Bad, well, got more than several. He did so many bad video game movies that um, we could have just done a show just on his bad video game movies, man.
1: Well, I have to admit, I uh, my spine almost cracked when I found out that they were doing a Tetris movie. So I thought oh. it was going to be like, I was like, how in the hell are you going to make this? But then I found out that, uh, that Eggsy, that can't remember his name right now, Taron Egerton. I heard that Eggsy is playing the guy who developed Tetris. And I was like, now that I'm interested in.
0: Hmm.
1: I'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Tetris is my big (laughs) favorite game of all time.
0: Oh, mine was always Rampage. It was, uh, I I can't, I
1: can't believe we didn't bring
0: that one up. But then again, that's not a, not a a bad uh, video game movie. Another, another one where the rock just shows up wearing a gray t-shirt.
1: Yeah, man. It's like, okay. Uh, Let's watch skyscraper. I mean, uh, journey to the, or um or San Andreas, <laughs> San Andreas or uh, whatever the second journey to the center of the earth movie was called, journey, journey two or something. <laughs> right.
3: It's like uh.
1: when I, I think that. Well, and maybe it's a result of this, but I think that Southland Tales—they were like, okay, Rock, let's let's go off book a little bit, and let's try to make you a nervous Nelly. Instead of like totally in charge of every situation. And it's like, well, that was weird and completely incomprehensible. Let's let him do what he does best instead. (laughs) I've tried to watch Southland Tales so many fucking times. I'm just like, this guy makes Donnie Darko. He makes like one movie every 20 years. And what is going on with this guy? But But yeah, I completely forgot about Rampage um not that i didn't want to necessarily see it i just kind of that Uh, the human element when you have to thrust a human character that doesn't exist maybe that's the maybe that's the, the goal if a human character doesn't already exist anytime you try to put one in it's gonna be a shoehorn situation and it totally shows yeah yeah when, when putting The Rock into that kind of
0: movie, like how, you know, Killer Apes, and got and basically Godzilla and, and huge werewolves and shit, I mean it. It's just like oh, okay, you know, like you said,
1: the human element. The only I mean, reason why I, werewolves it's kind of diff, it's kind of difficult to understand why they haven't made a Wolfenstein movie. I
0: don't know. That's a good question. I wonder if that's uh, somebody's got the rights to that and is just hanging on to them. Probably so. I mean
1: that's that seems like a natural.
0: Yeah, it's not like they've made two adaptations of Doom, but they haven't made an adaptation of Wolfenstein yet. Doesn't make sense to me. Or, you know, Jim Carrey as Leisure Suit Larry. That, that almost <laughs> seems like a gimme. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> <And> Jason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. No, no, please. No. <laughs> Will
1: Smith so, has so- Leisure Suit Larry.
0: Oh, don't put that out into the ether. It'll actually happen, and then we'll have to blame you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Lightning will strike me in my balls. <laughs> if that happens, <laughs> protect your balls, sir. That's all I got to say. I just hope that uh, I'll be forced, for some reason, like my brain will reset, and the only voice I can use is my Dr. Fibs voice. it will be kind of like that lady who hit her head and just like speaks fluent Japanese. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh, god. Okay. Well,
0: that being said, I think we'll put a pit in that one for the evening when we're leaving off on uh, somebody's balls being electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we've exhausted all the resources. Well, hopefully I haven't scared you away from doing more of these where I put you on the spot. Who knows what we'll do next time. Like I said, I have a, a whole list of like 30 different ideas we could do.
1: Oh, I'm always down. I'm always down. I'll, I'll admit that I I think that it probably showed just slightly that. This was one that um is not quite as much in my wheelhouse as most of the things that you've mentioned so far. But I did I think that I knew just enough to get by on this one. Because I just it's only due to my thriftiness that I that I'm not if I if I had more kind of like liquid capital and I always and I always did or always had that in my mind, I was always thrifty when it when it came to buying stuff for myself. So I always got the video game systems like two generations out of whack so i was always behind on on all that stuff but it just so happened that the ones we talked about i um i was definitely i knew about
0: well good good i'm glad i I picked one that that you were at least proficient enough at and i i I, I identify with that i always ended up getting a you know i was getting a, a, a nintendo when everybody else was getting super nintendos i got the you know, Sega Genesis when the PlayStation was coming out, it was always kind of that way.
1: <laughs> but I was always well, happy to have Sega me. Guy. It's good to meet Sega guy because uh, they got me. They got me the Sega Power System, or is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, Sega. Yeah. Uh, they got me that instead of the Nintendo. So like, I was the at that time, I was sort of the leper on the street because everybody was like Sega what? You, know, you can't play Super Mario? But I was like, hey, you may have Duck Hunt, but I've got Safari Hunts." And as far as I'm concerned, it was superior of the two. Yep, safari they, Hunt, yep. you were shooting much more than just ducks. They had Super Mario Brothers. I had Sonic the Hedgehog, so it was a good even trade. Yeah, I think that there were things to... I think I had Double Dragon before anybody on my block, though. So that kind of that kind of made up the difference for with that. There you go. So. There you
0: go. Eh, I be, uh, there's something to be said about being the black sheep or the leper on, on the corner, you know?
1: <laughs> hey, people weren't bogarting my shit. I got to play it. I didn't have to worry about them dicking around on my, breaking off my, uh, uh, breaking my T or was that that was still a T, right? Still had the cross on the controller. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Cause that was always, that was always the problem with Atari. If somebody would just like jam the joystick around, it would end up being loose and fucked up. So it was better that people didn't uh, congregate. Yeah. Keep your hands off my shit. That's all I got to say.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. Uh, I've enjoyed our, our talks again. I think uh, for next one, we'll do uh, we'll do a wild card. I'll have you pick a, a number uh, from the different I- uh, ideas I have. I have as I have them listed. And whatever random number you pick, it'll be like a dealer's choice. You know, we'll just kind of anything we'll wing, we'll that, uh, puts, anything that puts more chance in the mix i like yeah i think this will be a good idea so i think this will we'll do the next one so we'll talk a little bit off the air about that but that being said once again thank you for taking a couple late night hours out of, out of your evening to uh do these silly little shows with me it's always fun time sir
1: oh man i love it to death i, I wouldn't change a thing i love being put on the spot like this <laughs>
0: Alrighty, folks. Well, thank you again for listening to Without Warning with your host, Corey Dawson, and myself, Cameron Scott,
3: and we'll keep bringing you more of them if you want to keep listening.